0: Hello. You're about to listen to Conversations, but before you do, please make sure to follow on all streaming platforms. That's including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Audible. You name it, we're on it. Make sure you subscribe and follow. Welcome to episode three of Con versailles Shun, the unofficial Versailles-related podcast. I am Philippe, Duc d'Orléans himself, Alexander Vlahos, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother,
1: Louis XIV, Le Roi, George Blagden. Hello, everyone. And, of course, to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of our wonderful TV show, we are inviting on special guests each episode to help us take a deep dive into the hit Canal Plus Netflix and BBC show
0: behind the curtain conducting their own grand levier is our very own personal pocket bomb, tom producer nikki Erbel.
1: and so this week's guest was one of the most requested by the versailles fans it is of course the one and only the duke de cassel the phenomenal
2: pip torrance Woo! thank you thank you for <laughs> calling me phenomenal i'm not sure what sort of i am but uh it's wonderful yeah, to be here yeah. it's so exciting you've started this up you mischievous
0: twins yeah
1: i keep joking that it's some um, my sort of therapy because <laughs> it i mean it is in a way it's <laughs> I, like so it's beautiful to kind of go back in time and explore it you know
2: it is and and the, you know the, the intensity it's nice to know that you've stayed in touch youtube because the intensity of your on-screen relationship is something that really Burns out when you're rewatching, as I have been doing. Admittedly, I've been rewatching at some speed, so I'm slightly bubbling over with kind of Versailles notes and references.
0: That's amazing. Um, thank, thank. Well, first of all, thank you so much for for doing your homework. Um, very, very. Um, and I was just saying before we press record, George, that how, um, yes, you are the most. You are one of the most requested. By the Versailles fans that they wanted you on the podcast, which is amazing. But also, I was saying to George very, very early on when this when this conversation podcast was just a a tiny slimmer of an idea, I said to George in um, um, I think we were in France. I said I said it would be wonderful if we could get Pip on the show. You were like the golden the golden goose, sir, to try and come on, which is um, because I because I because it's been because you especially in episode three, which obviously we're going to go into a little bit in more detail, but how um, how you are completely the antithesis to the Cassell, the antithesis to to, to Louis Fourteenth. But before mm. we get onto that, you you two are neighbours. Is that correct?
2: Yes, uh, that's, I think, yes, yeah. yeah. uh, we can both say, we're not, yes, we are, we are. And I'm regularly to be seen because of my sort of age and demographic um, uh, orbiting uh, our local park with a small dog actually currently two small dogs because i'm also we're also babysitting my in-laws dog oh, anyway really? so if you've been in this particular park at any time you, you you get the feeling if you keep walking you will eventually meet everyone you've ever known and um <laughs> yeah. george came along very very nice it was only a yeah. matter of time
1: it was probably like yeah two three years after the show finished we, we were like oh we've lived here for a couple of years it's weird that isn't it you live in the yeah, same yeah, park. yeah, yeah. I've discovered in the last. Well, that's year, the other thing about. about yeah,
2: I say community. you'll. Bump, yeah, I say you'll bump into people eventually, but of course, as we all know, you can live in London, you know, a stone's throw from someone, and, and not see them for years on end. And then you're you when you do meet them, you're sort of forced into this litany of sort of metropolitan excuses about oh, dear, you know, it's isn't it weird? We're so close, we never see each other. Blah 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 blah. It's it's I don't know. It's a very English thing, I think, possibly, or maybe it's just a function of big city life. Isn't, um, it, but no, isn't was it also, very...
0: um, is it also like an acting thing? Do you know that that weird thing where you, uh, not not to sort of, put us under this umbrella of lovies, but we that thing where you see people in like the the, the bar after a theatre show, and oh God, I haven't seen you in years! I'll see you. Oh, we must catch yeah. up soon. And then it just never never happens. Yes. It just goes off into the
2: ether. It, it never happens, and and so often, if you know, to be brutally honest about it, sometimes you do feel like bumping into people, and sometimes you don't, and that's generally. As we all know, predicated on how you're feeling about life in general, and that in its turn is predicated on how much work's coming your way. So yes, true. I I, I spend months, nay years, feeling deeply antisocial, and hoping I don't bump into anyone in case I just sort of lunge for them if they're in the business because there's a chance they'll be doing marginally better than me.
1: Um, <laughs> but you know, I think it's <laughs>
2: yeah. a bit. I mean,
1: Pip, uh, I've not told you this, but you're the you're the reference point in my family for. What it is to be successful <laughs> yeah. all of my family oh. i swear No, i mean because and, oh. i mean it's it's not by accident <laughs> it's um it, because you know we see you pop up all the time on the telly in very very mm. exciting things mm. most recently of course succession the global success um yes but yeah, but yeah you're yes. you're sort of this uh if you if you can be like pip in 10 <laughs> years from now george
2: that would be great well, for us do you think so, yeah i don't know I i've think actually, my, I've, my actually wife... got, I've
0: actually got um i've actually got a tattoo that says what would pip do on my wrist just just <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> just to keep myself <laughs> <going>. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's weird oh, well. it's
1: weird isn't it this perception like that we have of ourselves and we always think that we're not in work and of course from the outside we're always looking at other people thinking well they're constantly they're, well, they're always popping up on my telly it's yes um, yeah fascinating and- that isn't it
2: it is fascinating, and um, it's the double edge to being, you know, in a medium which, if you if you do appear, you appear to hundreds of thousands of people, and, and so you do get faced with the remark, and often when you're down in the doldrums, of people, typically who are friends who aren't in the business, saying telling you that you are doing really well, you're doing so well, and <laughs> then they follow that up by mentioning. Possibly something they've seen you in excellent on the TV, which might date from, you know, 25 years ago in my case, or even longer. (laughs) We saw you in that, you know, you're doing so well, you're on Midsummer Murders. And you think, well, yeah, it's kind of Midsummer Murders. That's funny, you get to a certain age, it's a bit like, Having done national service, you know, sooner or
0: later they <laughs> well, get you. Midsummer You'll Murders is the uh, Midsummer you. Murders is the um, is the rites of passage, isn't it? If you haven't been killed on either a Midsummer Murders, I think for yeah. our generation, our yeah. generation, it's um, It's it's doctors, doctor, because the bill doesn't exist yeah. anymore as a as a rites of passage for an actor. But doctors felt like the one that I left drama school, and most of the people in my year were either going up for one episode or a couple of episodes in in the student hmm. you know, daytime So, George, did you have you ever done Doctors? I have not. Ah, um, he skipped the January, Skip the Rites of Passage. The of passage. <laughs> yeah, no, it's,
1: um, but my wife has. Ah, uh, there we go. Eddie Redmayne has. Eddie Redmayne
0: has definitely done Doctors. That's when so we know I we're
2: know. there. That would be an entertaining episode. Rather like the the Notorious episode, you're, you're way too young to remember Play Away, which was a fantastic sort of um singing and dancing um children's programme aimed at the under fives and uh, featured, I think, Johnny Ball's, Zoe Ball's dad, is a wonderfully sort of exuberant. It was music and drawing and games and and fluffy toys. And they used to have guests of that occasionally. And if you, I don't know if it's available on the archive, I really hope it is, but there is one episode which features a very young (laughs) Jeremy Irons. Um, And the look of terror and concern in jeremy irons's eyes as he sort of leaps around with with fluffy the dog whoever it is and, and sings along and bangs a tambourine it's worth tracking down if you possibly can but you know that's <laughs> oh my god amazing I mean, you know, the thing is, really the thing is so that
0: it's like we're we're, we're <laughs> We're always going to be haunted, aren't we? We're like no matter like one commercial that you did that you thought no one was ever going to see, will always sort of resurface now in this internet age. People will always go. If you ever find yourself lucky and fortunate to end up on like an Alan Carr or a Graham Norton or any of those chat shows in America and stuff like that, the, the Jimmy Fallon's of the world and stuff like that, they will always try and embarrass you and dig out some sort of you know i think paul mescal who is the, you know, obviously doing super well at the moment with um all of the strangers yeah. but they, they he, his, he his fame was that he did this sausage advert in ireland and they they keep bringing this advert up and like he's yeah. on fallon and kimmel and they just keep showing Bless him, he goes on to these these wonderful chat shows to talk about the you know the, the project that he's working on and then suddenly he's sort of <laughs> still, like, re-showing that sausage advert that he did yeah. like five years ago
2: well, was it The trick. <laughs> The trick is to get the person talking about how well it's going and how you know they've really identified recent roles and they're they're very happy and you know it's just it's been a wonderful you know wonderful few years of of highbrow achievement and then hit them with the sausage ad and say you know so the, the, you know the implication of them being fine great we love you Paul don't get me wrong but we've all come from sausage ad land at one point or another and and don't pretend we haven't. And we know, can always head it's, back. It's there. an thing. Hmm? Yeah. You could exactly go back you could be yeah. back in the machine before you, before you know it, before you can yeah. say, you know, whatever. But um, I know when I, because I'm so incredibly old, when I started, there were only, I think, four television channels. And um, I, when, when I started doing TV, I was continually surprised by people buttonholing me who weren't in the business to tell me they'd seen me in something. And I would look at them and I would think, why were you watching that? frankly, not particularly inspired product, you know, and um, and then it hit me that, you know, certainly back in the day, the, the telly was just on all the time. I mean, I think it still is. But mm-hmm. um, the only real difference is that, as you say, you know, these researchers can track down absolutely everything. But I mean, that's a small price to pay for being in a position where you're being interviewed on one of those shows, and presumably, absolutely flying. So you've got to go with it.
0: That's true. That is very true. And, and talking of going with it and that's talking about our 10 year anniversary um mm. i want to ask you about uh, obviously you getting the role of chriselle but how did how did versailles arrive to you was it did you was it an audition process or was it a tape or because obviously suzanne smith cast this, mm. but was it how did yeah chriselle was pitched to you and was it did you meet with Christoph and the showrunners like to talk take us back to the start of when versailles was part of your sort of you know i like, met something.
2: i had a yeah, I have a I have a memory only really of going to Suzanne Smith's office in Kentish Town, I think, and just videoing, you know, doing one of those, going into one of those featureless little back rooms with a white wall, and just you know having learnt a couple of scenes and just doing them straight to camera. And I think the the speech I was given was the one which I was <laughs> directed very well out of doing as over the top as I was doing it by um to, to the sort of assembled was the first sort of big conspiracy scene where Cassell says look what's happened to Moncor. this is what the king's up to we need to stop him um this is ridiculous sort of thing so I just remember doing that and then and then I got it to my amazement I think I was doing Dark at the time I think I'd started on Dark. so I had sort of you know <laughs> starting this sort of niche that i would never now been able to get out of thankfully of sort of you know grumpy often bald old baddies or grumpy (laughs) bald wigged baddies you know and people used to say i mean you know maybe it's too early to talk about my journey but um you know people used to people who weren't in the business again would say you know i saw you in that thing you're doing so well or you know blah 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 they wouldn't they would never have seen you and they'd say well what what sort of roles do you do and i'd have to think and it came down to two things that i was always unpleasant and i was generally in a position of authority, so I would I would say, well, if you think of so I I play, if there's a category for pinstriped shits, then that's it, that's me, because every show, it's almost like a sort of Commedia dell'arte trope. Every show pretty much <laughs> needs the hero to have an interview with someone unpleasant in a positional authority who wants them not to do what they're going to do anyway. So I've had years of, of saying things like MI5 aren't going to be happy about this, or, <laughs> you know, does the chief... <laughs> a doing it? Um, That's a problem. Or, you know, my, my men didn't serve in Bosnia to be treated like this, you know, a variety of sort of establishment type roles, which I seem to move into because of my background. So then, but then, then so Cassell, I suppose, was part of that, but also the, as I got older and bolder, the the, the the mixture of sort of baldness and and an Oxbridge accent has has really been a, a great help to me. And I, <laughs> I often say that lose, losing my hair completely was was really the, the best big, thing that's ever you know, happened. <laughs> best thing in many ways, the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um, there you go.
0: Um. So, because I, 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 I maybe it was, maybe you would. I, not that I know your career better than you do, Pip. But I, I, I believe mm-hmm. that you were doing the Crown roughly at the same time as well. Were you not?
2: I got, I got the Crown gig while I was doing Versailles because I did. I remember dear old um, Anatole Taubman, who I think you're hoping to track down for this. um yeah. Who would just love? You'll need several hours. Let me tell you to, 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 <laughs> to get him get him down off the ceiling because he's he's just heaven but um I remember telling him that I got this gig and you know there's this lovely thing which you can do when you're on a job with other actors this is goes to you know the sort of etiquette of talking about work or being in work that if you're in a job and then you get another one that somehow I think your fellow actors feel more pleased for you than they would obviously if they weren't if they were unemployed, because they think, well, you know, the, the the implication then is possibly this could this could happen to us because we're all super appealing now that we're on this job. So and again the crown was a very long time coming. I auditioned for them and then waited for about two or three months, I think, because as you can imagine, there an awful lot of juggling in that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so it was the beginning. So I had sort of Poldark and then Versailles and then the Crown, and it wasn't seamless, but those were sort of those those are really the first long Series gigs I'd ever had. I mean, poldart was the the first time I'd had anything that really lasted for more than a few weeks. Right, right, yeah,
0: because, yeah, um, because you and I remember you coming back for season two, and where you brought yeah. with you someone from the Crown? Um, Harry Haddon-Patton, yes. right? And I remember Harry Haddon-Patton, yeah, 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 And you remember and the two of you pay. being it's being career
2: during. We were best buds. He was lovely. We, we'd actually done, <laughs> sorry, Doug. We'd done an episode of Grandchester together. Do you do Grantchester, boys? Should have done Granchester, I haven't Grantchester. Done Grantchester I know, still, still out there On season 11 or something now. Anyway, I'd done a Granchester episode with Harry and, yes, liked him a lot and was very pleased that he was, he was on this. And, and he played a particularly minty sort of character as well. So we, we had a lot of quite nice, you know, bitchy scenes with each other in, in I think, season two, didn't we? And wasn't Greta Skaki his mom? Yes, that's right. So Greta, Greta, she she was fantastic. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun there. And um, yes, and then we went on. Oh, God, yes. Had we done The Crown by then? I'm not sure we had.
0: I think he did I think that I think I remember season two and maybe my memories have all blurged into one but like I remember season two me you, Pip me and you were standing outside' It was a beautiful summer's evening outside like one of the wonderful yeah. castles Vola Comte, I think in the gardens and we were we had all being yes. readily dressed and up and costumed and wigged and we were waiting for it to get dark We were doing a night shoot I think it's this yeah. I think it was the night shoot. I can't remember which one it was. There's there were so many. But we I mean, you were talking, and I said, I can remember saying to you, well, How do you know Harry so well? And I think, you'd, I think you would mm-hmm. just finished between season one and two. Maybe you would you would just done the
2: crown oh, season, right. maybe. Yes. Uh, so that would have been about t- 2016?
0: 2016,
2: 2016, yes. 2017. Yes, that's exactly. That the 2016 thing. Yeah, that, yeah. That's right. Then we had done. I'm so sorry. Yes. And he was playing Martin Charter in the crown, and as because I was playing. Tommy Lassell's his sort of superior, I did several wonderful scenes with him, which mainly involved just ticking him off in, in very sort of um in, in a very erudite way about how you know his his breaches of etiquette within the royal household. And he's very <laughs> funny. He's terribly good at looking, you know, well-meaning but clueless. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he was he he was a great help. And then while we were on Versailles, we had a very interesting conversation about representation, which led to again a sort of sea change in my fortune. So I'll always be grateful to him. Oh, that's um, wonderful. For that. oh, he's a lovely man. Of course, he's gone on very well, and just yes, on has. My Fair Lady. On yes, at he has. The, on, on. Uh, Where is it? Connie, you, no. Carnegie Hall. fellow right? Center.
1: Yeah, he did it in New York, and then they did it here. They did it in London. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um but yeah to go to to go back to episode three i mean i i think did we say this alex together that we felt like the series kind of just kicked off with episode three very much because because of your arrival exactly what you described about what you get cast as um suddenly Mm. the the obstacle in the hero's journey or the heroes plural Mm. you know in this yes um, it's like ah here we go here's something that's. Someone who's a spanner in the works. Did you know that he was going to be the antagonist when you got the part? Do you remember? Do you remember like the sort of description? Yes. That you're going to be the big fly in the, oint- the ointment. Yes,
2: were? and it was explained. It was explained to me that he was a composite character of various, um you know, uh, uh, lords and dukes from around the country, were survivors. I think from the. F- front you know the two big civil wars which had dominated louis's childhood and, and made him this slightly paranoid individual who's obsessed with not staying in paris because of you know the there'd be you know people actively conspiring against him there and going to a completely new sort of command center and so um i sort of read up a little bit about that but I, then you realize quite quickly it's you know your research is fine but um it's about, you know, it's all, it's all in the script. And the script, there was some wonderful stuff for, for Cassell there, almost, you know, sort of irreverently. Well, the fact that he's irreverent is a big help. But I think mm-hmm. it's very sweet of you to say that about episode three being the one where it all comes together. But I think now we've, seen, we've all seen so many long-form dramas, you know, that you settle into a sort of ten-parter now as a matter of course. And very often I found the, the most powerful ones, and I'm thinking of a show like Ozark, for example, which is a big favourite of mine, um, the, the first episode or two seem to be, you know, almost chaotic. They're throwing a lot of stuff at you. You're not quite sure where your sympathies are supposed to lie, and they can be almost impressionistic, and, and rewatching watching Versailles I was very struck. Obviously, the visual style's incredibly strong, and it's beautiful to look at. You know, from the opening shot, it's absolutely extraordinary, and the music's very powerful and propulsive. But I think it almost deliberately throws everything at you you know i mean uh uh you know everyone's characters you've got louis doing his thing and he's you know he's he's having these sort of visionary experiences in the forest the forest is very important to him but he wants to he wants to build his home there and then his brother with you know his machinations and you think what well, who who's going where who's doing what it's very exciting and then when you find that they have you know there is obviously a common common enemy and in this case the enemy means you to to be killed, um, then that does bring it all together. But I think I think that's the gift of the writing. Um, and it, mm. it's just lucky that I I think Tolly, Anatole, and I became the sort of... Because Tolly's there from the beginning. You see him looking incredibly evil, and you think he can't possibly be <laughs> yeah, Just because <laughs> he looks the way he does. I mean, the man, the man is he's the most... You know, for, for someone who's so incredibly sweet and lovely, he does have a fantastically sort of sinister bizarre Do you have... Um, and, do you have any-
0: anecdotes about your time working with Mr. Anatole Taubman because um, obviously yeah. me and George...
2: should always say Anatole, call me Tully Taubman <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's how I describe him to people, no he's, he's, I, he's adorable, we saw him in London last year, he my wife fell in love with him more quickly than I've seen her fall in love with anyone I mean probably much more quickly than with me and because I'd said that she was coming to visit tolly said sure sure i'll be there i'll be there i want to say i want to meet her it's important to meet chantal and uh and yeah. uh, uh we were at the studio remember the studios in brie were kind of like you know they were a little bit like a 1960s classroom block weren't they they, they weren't were. exactly atmospheric backstage i mean the studios obviously were fantastic it was quite ordinary and so um i think my wife arrived and um tolly was on set and I went to see if he was there. And he was sort of down the corridor. Anyway, the point is that my wife came out of my dressing room and Tolly came out of his dressing room about twenty feet away. And I said, Tolly, this is Chantal, my wife, you knew you who wanted to meet you. And he stopped. And I don't I, I don't think he went into a bow, but this is exactly what he said. He said, It is an honour. <laughs> and that was all it. Then for the rest of the day, it was, you know, what time are you finishing so we can go and have dinner with Tolly? You know, is he coming to the restaurant? I said, I don't know. You know, he's, <laughs> he's got in the studio. No, no, he's just so nice. You know he's so charming. I said, oh, he just, you know, he said, he said four words to you, but they were very <laughs> oh, powerful. So
0: I just yeah. snorted on my, I just snorted. That, that's such a great, oh, good. That's such a great. The pause,
2: the pause of that It is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably a big, a big bow as well. But I think he was in costume, so he could get away with it. But he's still like that. He's just the most adorable man. Yeah. I
0: am. Um, I remember. Um, I, I I remember meeting you, Pip, for the very first time in, in one of those sad corridors in in Brie, mm. very very mm. late on. Because how did it feel knowing that you were doing for predominantly most of Christoph the second block, which is episode uh, three, four, and five apart from that last scene with in in, in mm-hmm. episode five which obviously we're skipping ahead but like in episode five where you you're walking down the train while the fireworks are going off so you can so you can bow before the king yes you you only, yes. really, me, you only really work with um anatole and obviously the wonderful anna brewster who pops up and 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 yep. and persuades yep. you so you didn't really meet us as myself and george included especially early on you were kind of doing all your stuff out on location in your gothic castle with this crazy german director do you remember very much about that those first those first couple of days did you feel i mean did you feel like you were part of some i mean did you have any idea what the type of how big the show how big in scale the show was or was it because that you know going out on location is something very different to turning up to those set locations in yeah. Brie because inside those set locations that was when I first realized the magnitude of the scale of the job and I was like they are literally hand painting marble the set designers yeah. are amazing you know when you go out to a location it's you go okay this could be any sort of period drama castle thing did you what, what was your first impressions of the whole thing
2: uh you know, I did feel a bit marooned to be honest I suppose because I was in that quite extraordinary um Floating castle, and I remember my first thought thinking, "Who would ever have built this? Who could possibly live here? How could you keep it up? Because If you wanted to change a a roof tile, you'd have to get a kind of boat and some scaffolding." And you know, it was it was amazing to think that it had been constructed. But it was terribly good for Cassell as a piece of architecture. And just now looking at it, and I don't think they even they didn't CGI any extra domes on that. It's a, it's just a row of very creepy pointed domes. When uh, Maddie and Anna um arrive in their in their carriage to 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 do the deal. Um so yes, I think the I can't remember the very no, the very first scene I did I think was the stuff, as I said, talking to the nobleman and being told to bring it down a bit and make it more like a board meeting, which was a very good note. Um and then stuff with Tolly and then Anna quite quickly. Anna was the first person I think I met, so I met her um I think just as we were arriving. Um and then the scenes with her and Maddie. But you're absolutely right. But um, this is, again, a function of big shows. I had the same experience on The Crown, where I was just doing stuff with a small group of actors, and then they had an evening on The Crown where they showed a sort of a composite of scenes that they'd done. They were obviously confident at that point. And I was absolutely blown away, because the first scene I saw was between um, Eileen Atkins and Alex Jennings, and I, I hadn't even met either of them, I don't think, at that point. And I was seeing their virtually their finished product, and it was as you can imagine, pretty extraordinary. But then I had Mm -hmm. sort of the same experience, I think, meeting you guys, because then you come indoors, as it were, and you see the full splendor of the thing. And I was struck, again, re-watching it, um, because I keep remembering not just, obviously, all the lovely company, but I keep remembering the rooms. So I keep seeing the interior of vaux le as you say, with that extraordinary sort of domed... Um, hall with the checkerboard floor I've got so many photographs of that and they're even seeing Stuart Bowman's walking past a panel at one point and I remembered the panel obviously I remember Stuart but I remembered the hand-painted <laughs> panel and, um, I'm so and glad you put God, in that thought, you remembered thought, Stuart it, very good save oh, yeah I, I could never forget Stuart I adore Stuart um, but uh, uh, it was and I remember thinking God, I've got such a good picture of that panel Poss- one with Stuart obviously and then one <laughs> where it's just the panel the light you know the lighting was so really good but, you know, you didn't want to leave some of those places. And yeah. as you said, then when you came, came in to I mean, the second season, I think, was the one where they, they built the Grand Salon in the studio, hadn't they? and that's when it really hit you that this was some serious. It's still the most expensive Canal Plus production, isn't it, to date? Yeah, I
0: think yeah. so. Well, let's say it is. The, let's the say it problem. is.
2: Let's say it is. It definitely is by far yeah. the most expensive production Canal Plus have ever
0: on. well i know that so, it was um it was um we'll get into it a bit you know I, I don't want to start a conversation but like your arc your character arc pip in from mm. from from starting off as the the complete i guess the antithesis of 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 louis the mm. the rival as you will of, of the head of the nobles to where you end up at the end of season two with your demise and and, and being part of and also having some sort of Retribution and not retribution like having yeah you you come full circle in in in, in the whole yes. thing um because I think I was always so surprised when the, not not a surprise the fans were obviously asking for you for Pip to, to be on the show because they really remember the pip they really remember the Cassell of season two mm-hmm. the end I think where, where you become good or sort of middle let's say not not yeah. fully good not fully yeah. bad Whereas actually the start of these 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 couple of episodes, you are a v- especially the the scene with um with Anna and and Maddie with Sophie and uh, Montespan, it is really quite tough to watch. I think all of episode three is really quite tough to watch. There's some absolutely brutal scenes with Fabienne twisting the 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 guy's neck with the sort of string around his thing outside the carriage of Prince Annabar. There's and even the the, the murdering of the the Parthenay family in cold blood, mm. like. I always remember season episode three, four, and five. Really feeling like this is the, the side that I sort of signed up for. Not to take away yeah. from episode one or two. George, did you feel? Did you feel the same?
1: Yeah, massively. Like I mean, obviously, a large part I'm going to attribute to Pip because I'm a big fan. But like, <laughs> um, you, you do, you know, you do watch the show, the ep three, and go, oh yeah this is the show that um me and alex we we both talked pip a lot in the last couple of episodes on this podcast how when the show started um it it felt it it was just surprising for me it was the first one of the first things i'd ever seen of myself on screen and you know that difference between what you see and what you felt you were making on set it really felt like the process that Christoph had of shooting it he had a very different process to our first director where yes. he would just throw a camera up and he wouldn't change the lens if you wanted to go in tighter on someone you'd move closer and you'd move away and he, he shot very very quickly so it had like this incredible energy didn't it when you watch episode three it's got this incredible energy we're all moving twice as fast i'm walking down corridors like three times the, sp- <laughs> the speed that i do in episode one and two and um yeah there's just so much that goes on it, it feels like very dark very um
0: I just even think I think because obviously Pip, you said you watched all five episodes, but even the grading, like the grading in episode three, suddenly just be. You know those um, the Harry Potter movies when suddenly the the kids become much more adult and then the 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 films get incredibly (laughs) darker. It it feels like episode three is our Prisoner of Azkaban. That'll be that's a good reference for people who know. But like, just thanks, thanks, George. I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Sorry, Pip. We invite guests on and me and George just give each other compliments. That's basically no, no, it's fine. You go, you, you go with the
2: Harry Potter references. I feel <laughs> totally... Lovely.
0: I am so sorry to interrupt this wonderful episode with the phenomenal Pip Torrens, but we at Conversation Headquarters would like to remind you that we have a Patreon Yes, that's right, we have the Patreon. So if you go to www.patreon.com and go in the search bar and type in "Conversations," you can see the wonderful tears. And if you feel like supporting us, then please do. And now I'm going to take this wonderful opportunity to shout out to a couple of our patrons, Daniela, Karen, and Nadra. Thank you so, so much for your wonderful, wonderful support. So um we obviously get introduced to the wonderful Rohan which is the best mate of uh supposedly best mate of uh, of Louis. Um and I love there's a beautiful moment I don't know if you saw it Pip but I, there's there's a great moment where we're starting to see the, the the king become the king where he doesn't open himself up for the hug and stuff like that. George, do you remember yes. shooting that, shooting those shooting those scenes and and working with Alexis? Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I, I remember Ale- 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 Alexi Mich- Michalak, I think he's called. Yeah. Um, he's sort of, after season one, went on to be like the um, big practitioner in Paris, in Parisian theatre and film. He created that um, Edmond theatre show that then came to the UK. And so, so he, I mean, yeah. he was so impressive. He was just one of those people that walks on set and you you were sort of overwhelmed with this charisma and um just amazing like having someone like him in the cast uh and very very bizarre I mean again so many moments on the show little acting required where you you're uh you're tr- like you can see this boy King trying to you know no I am powerful um I am powerful <laughs> opposite you I'm going to engineer this status um it, it was fascinating it was really it was one of the first moments I had with a character like that that was so amicable. Because a lot of the other status moments that happened up till that point in the show, you could see that it was because of friction that status was being asserted. If mm. you like, um, yeah, you know, especially with our relationship, Alex. But yeah, that for sure, it's, yeah, it's shocking. Where you're like, wow, you can't even hug a Tep,
0: you, You've you've you got do you you do get some scenes with 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 Rohan, don't you? Because he turns out. No, not to spoil the show for anyone that hasn't seen it for 10 years, and I'm pretty sure the people that are listening to this podcast have seen every episode, that Rohan obviously becomes the the, the, the proper, the, he's the one behind all the, you know, he's the he's yes. the puppeteer. Did you have any scenes with him? I think you, did you, with The Mask later on? He was with what, you sort of, I can remember that.
2: I think, do I not supervise his decapitation or am I, am I thinking of <laughs> someone else? It's that kind of show. I think... No, it is that. You do, in, but that's an episode... Code decapitation
0: that is an episode think- one of season two i think where we where, where, to, to to louis says that if, if you are on our side you would you would you would um yes. you would be you would be the person that, that takes this over right is that
2: I'm, I'm i think right. that's right and it's shot in a very muddy yard and i felt i think it was alexia and he was ap- obviously absolutely freezing out to kneel in the mud and be you know pretend to be decapitated several times and i think the reason it was several times is they Right, it wasn't several times, but the the I do remember there was a slash of blood that was then flung across my face, um, to sort of you know reinforce the point that I was really, you know, part of the establishment now because I'd supervised the uh, the execution of this rebel. Um, it was a lovely touch that of living <laughs> in a cupboard rat, which I enjoyed very much. But again, yeah. based very much based, you know, n- not improbable, you know, based. On very much what we believe the circumstances were for a lot of um people at Versailles, that they were they were waiting for their apartments to be built. I mean, obviously Cassell's at the bottom of the ladder, but um he gets better rooms later on. that was one two, of the basically.
0: very, very first scenes because obviously Versailles Versailles has humor. it does have humor in it, but it, mm. I wouldn't necessarily say that there is like laugh out loud moments. it's not it's not obviously not a comedy per se, but one of the very first moments that I actually having watched the show coming coming out, I think probably on BBC when I was watching it, was um was that moment in, I think it might be episode six, which I know we're jumping ahead, where Stuart, where Tom brings Cassell into into the into Versailles. And you have this beautiful shot of you walking down all these beautiful corridors. So it goes from beauty and then smaller beauty and smaller corridor and smaller uh, corridor. Sorry. Round <laughs> the corner, <laughs> your eyes and your brilliant eyes are sort of playing, yeah. oh, is it going to be this room or this room or this That's room? Right. And it ends up being... It ends up being a broom cupboard right it ends up being just like yes this i thing. think i stop
2: outside of yes i stop outside what i regard as a suitably impressive doorway and i think Stuart then says <clears throat> no you're you're here and then <laughs> like you said there's essentially a closet with not much in the way of, it. yeah attic room but um no i was i was thinking of something you said before about the um Oh, the the way the the episode three comes in. No, I think we covered that about how you know the the when when the bad guys are marshaled, you sort of feel like all the chess pieces are arranged up against each other. But okay. um, yeah, and the, I I think you know Cassell has a certain amount of humor. I mean, there's a sort of humor in finding, as you say, George the Boy King ridiculous. Particularly for Cassell, who presumably is the survivor of, of the Civil War and just refuses to take, you know, didn't take Louis's father seriously and has no intention of taking Louis seriously. So um, it's nice to see someone who absolutely embodies, you know, the antithesis of, of, of your hero. Mm.
0: George, George, you, um, I don't know if you agree with me, Pip, I hope you do, but you, you look like you're enjoying yourself much more in, in, in episode three. <laughs> I know it's all over the place in terms of continuity doesn't make much sense but did you how did you find working with christoph
1: yeah no massive. i mean i um yeah we've already talked a little bit about this pip about um you know sort of i took on the role age 24 and me and alex were both alex was 26 and you know taking on roles like this at a young age you sort of thrown in the deep end and i definitely agree episode three looks like okay you know I'm as an actor as well. You're kind of I I know what, I know what we're trying to achieve with the show and where I'm going with this character and this role. Um, I think the material is just great. Like we've already talked about it, haven't we, Alex? Like just yeah, good material creates some um, you know good work and what, and and having circumstances that are interesting. There's so much in Ep three. You know the whole Annabar storyline that is interwoven mm. at the same time with i mean they were they were really ambitious like i was watching ep- episode three thinking like this is really ambitious writing and they successfully managed to do it weave those amount of storylines all together mm-hmm. and have them somehow linked with marie terres and spain and, and sort of being you know
2: confronted on all sides and i, I yeah. actually just remembered, sorry i've just no just to rudely intro i've just remembered the thing i was going to say because we were talking about ep3 you know being the change of tone you felt there was a change in palette and all this kind of thing but mm-hmm. but it, there's definitely more I mean you've seen fabien be you know the homicidal enforcer that he kind of has to be you've seen him doing this sort of housekeeping and 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 the storyline with the the baby you know the mysterious baby and all that but but the fact that um the Annabar story because anabar arrives and you and you slightly as a viewer think oh this is interesting but i didn't know this was a thing maybe he feels like he's going to be a distraction. And then the fact that the old man is a throw in in the, you know, Fabian's told yeah. Louis about Louis's kept that idea in his back pocket. And then he's taken the carriage out with Annabar. He's had the guy garrotted in front of him, having told him that he's a throwback to his father's age all yeah. the time, knowing that Annabar's father has already died and knowing that he's about to introduce him to this mysterious baby. And, um, that's that's extraordinary and it's it has this very satisfying thing you get in good writing where you get to the end of the episode and suddenly you think oh that's why they did it. you know now I see it's, it's all come together I'm completely hooked I've got to see what happens next because this was so clever the way the public and the private were were drawn together and that's again that's something the crown particularly in season one did incredibly well that you get to the end of an episode and and the queen, the young queen, you know, in similar sort of situation, was not not a similar, but, you know, similar stage.
0: <laughs> Comparing to Elizabeth to Louis XIV. quite <laughs> as much
2: carnage. But yeah. um but you know you did a private issue playing out at the same time as a as a public obligation, something that has to be done, that has to be seen to be done, and they just managed to to dovetail those things. So that at the at the end of the app you think, yeah, yeah, that now it really makes sense. Now did I can you, really see where um, we're did
0: going. Do yeah. you do you do you have many conversations throughout season one, um, Pip with, with David and with David and Simon themselves about where because obviously we obviously got episodes and scripts. You know by block so we didn't none of us really knew where where the whole thing was ending but did you were you aware were you aware that they really loved you because i don't george do you remember this do you remember this but i no, know I- that they, they were gonna they, there was there was a talk this and this might be complete and utter bullshit and a rumor by the way but there was talk that they were going to bring back Anatol. that monco was going to be the survivor and he was going to come back for season two and then and that you weren't and then suddenly was that right, George? You remember that? The, the, or no, remember that or the shot of coming back from the dead, or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember. We got to the end of season one, and, and Simon and David talking a lot about that, and um, because I think it, it you know, not to reduce <laughs> Cassel and Moncourt to, but yeah, as if you were fantastic devices for drama. Like we just see exactly. how immediately the show yeah. picked up in episode three with all of this complexity, yeah. and and um, so. I think everyone left season one thinking, well, we need a bit of that again.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I will say if you're a bad guy when it comes to the territory, you should expect you're going to be, you know, at some point they could pull the plug on you because you need to be rumbled or found out, which is why the Moncourt storyline is very interesting, and I love the way that goes. And also Rohan, who seems to be, you know, the epitome of the good guy, and then you realise he's not. So a lot of people, and you're aware of that more in season two, there are people within the establishment who are traitors and are going to be found out. But no, um, uh, uh, Simon and, and David, I found rather kind of, if I'm honest, quite sort of intimidating and, and very oh. self-confident, quite cryptic characters. So you, you talk to them I seem to remember asking them things and just being fobbed off i mean in in, and but not not that sounds like they were unpleasant they weren't at all They're always charming but that that i really i felt right there is a there's a a hierarchy of need to know here and i i don't really need to know i should just go on being you know evil bastard and 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 hope for the best but i do think you know from a selfish point of view it was wonderful to come back for season two but i also think of all those characters you know in the firing line as it were the bad Mm -hmm. guys uh, it's a genius it shows It's such an intelligent move by Louis, and it's such a revealing and clever and provocative move to have him say, against the advice of his counsellors, no, I want this guy on the inside, you know, like they used to say of... um, Absolutely. uh, You know, I want him on the inside pissing out, not the outside pissing in, like they used to say about uh, Mm. Patton. Yeah, George Patton, the the US Army general, who was so unpleasant, but, you know, better to have him on your side. Um, And so for Louis to say not just, no, I want him... I want him inside, even if I think he's still conspiring against me, which he he is in season two, I'm gonna make him part of the establishment because I want my enemies close, you know keep your friends close, your enemies closer and and it's a really good piece of sort of real politique that of course yeah, yeah. then my wife's poisoning me slowly, and I'm the only person in Versailles I was when they said. I realised I was going to be killed off and then they called me and said we're going to kill you off. And I and then I remember thinking, I don't mind being dead, I just mind being stupid. Because Cassell mm. being the great manipulator, you thought, you know, he's married you know, they married you off to Maddie, you know, the lovely Sophie, the sacrificial victim, aged probably seventeen by this point. Yeah. You know, come on, he's not he's not stupid, Cassell. He knows she's having it off with someone else, and you know, he's getting he's getting sicker and sicker. But anyway, that's how it went that's the poor old guy <laughs> just didn't realize it's always that fascinating was, was that a...
1: email or that call isn't it, it? Is. yeah when you when you um well you essentially get
2: fired not you even you know falling off falling off a battlement or having someone st- i mean i did get strangled in the end but basically it was maddie it was sophie who'd, who'd done the business yeah. um uh, with, with, with the poison so
1: interesting the poison. hearing you say that because i i i realized i developed this thing on th- throughout the show on three seasons any scene i received where louis wasn't the most intelligent person in the scene <laughs> i just i, I had yeah. a problem i had a problem with it and yeah um it wasn't i don't think it was a george ego thing i think I, I i mean maybe it was but i i genuinely think it was from these initial episodes in and particularly this that we see in episode three where you go oh wow he's he really is you know holding that information and being two steps ahead I think, yeah, maybe it was was an actor thing of just becoming addicted to that, of feeling like, well, I'm creating and I'm now forming this character that is master manipulator. Like you said about Mm. yourself. I don't like it if I'm presented with a situation where another character might have one up on me, which is ridiculous. Um, (laughs)
2: Because that's what. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it's ridiculous for you as the longest lived monarch in Europe and the most successful pretty much in history i think that's a, that's a reasonable note uh i guess i'm i'm more guilty of that vanity right i'm basically thinking i've had such a good time being evil but there's no reason i mean i'm it's one thing to be evil and successful in your own castle without any real opposition it's a get it's another thing to be evil and successful within within that kind of um uh, uh, pecking order at versailles where everyone's out to get you and i think that's that's beautifully done as well in season 2 where you know i bump into Montespo in the Corridor, and we have a little snarl at each other, and you think, God, it never stopped. It never stopped. They were all just looking over their shoulders the whole time. So Absolutely. I think you know, it it was kind of deliciously ironic that that Cassell should have this sort of slow fade, but that he gets to put the knife in at the end, and and um, and I love that scene where he just comes to the the council and says, "Look, I've been I've been against you from the very beginning." That's <laughs> yeah, such a yeah, great
0: scene.
2: I, such yeah, a great I don't scene. give a toss. But do not trust those around you, and here's why. I've got the names and, and the dates. And then I go back to my room to die, essentially. And then it's one, and then you come and see me, don't you? We have that wonderful scene, I think. Yeah. Did they keep that? They certainly... Is it? I can't remember enough of season two, sadly. That's a terrible admission. Really? No,
1: I, yeah, I'm, I'm having mem- memory of it being recorded, but I'm now trying
0: to... I don't think it's in there. I think you go back. I think you go back and just peter away like a sort of, like a, like a, you know, like a rotting flower. I,
2: I, I had the line, I think we would have been the best of enemies or something like that, which, you know, that you were a worthy sparring, but I mean, you know, dignifying it slightly, but um, yeah. it, it was, that was a nice moment. But again, maybe because just isn't that noble, you know, he was, he was a filthy old Well, talking man. of... Um...
0: Mm-hmm. Talking of frustrations as well, because I like, like George, that was that's a really brilliant point that you make about that thing. And and obviously, and obviously, with you, Pip, sort of fighting, fighting to, trying to, to get some sort of you know character, I, you know, intelligence and stuff. But I, my, my thing was that, uh, that they, they, they wanted to get Philippe into the rooms always, but Philippe was never really. Philip should never really have been in those rooms because he because did, he yeah. didn't really either didn't really care or if he did he would rather talk to his brother in the bedroom or but so they'd always try and make Philip come into the war room. It was this thing, this recurring thing that drove me absolutely mm. mad because I'd have to walk in and say something. Philip would have to come in and sort of say, "I want to go to war," or "I'm doing this," "I'm doing this." Mm. But yeah, because Louis always had the higher ground and always was the king. Philip then would have to leave, which would completely diminish his status why you'd have to storm in and shout and scream and then Yep. and then and then walk away and it was a recurring thing and i was saying to the writers like late like, after for simon and david but like when we get into the tim loans and the andrew bamfields in season two i was like find a better way find a more like i don't know artistic and creative way where we can have this conversation but it doesn't have to be me storming in shouting screaming and then storming out and it was just it it, just be, it, it drove me mad and, and there's there's a, there's a moment of it in episode three where it didn't make sense for for Philippe to be sat up to be on his knees with um with the wonderful Jeffrey Busset. I'd be get to getting blessed in the war room. I yeah. know he's trying to like expedite the the thing just yeah. so that the conversation yeah. can happen for around the war to, the war room table. It's mm. like these the, the the little things where you sort of think, God, this is quite frustrating. that we're having to yeah. as actors. I mean, that's but it's weird.
2: very tricky, isn't it? Because I guess I guess that um you know in in the you know you'd need another 10 episodes you'd need a 20 episode season to do justice to the the intricacies of each member of the royal family's camps you know the queen's attendance um i think elisa gets some wonderful scenes with her sort of ladies and her you know her hangers on and you get the sense Mm -hmm. she's very much from another land and she's not happy in this but i think for you yeah definitely that that um philippe you don't i mean you get a wonderful sense with you and evan certainly in your sort of scenes together that you've got your own thing going but that would have been a complete that would have almost been a, another court within a court wouldn't it with a very different
0: 100 and, 100 i think that's why I they were constantly showing us time. yeah they, they always constantly showed us having these crazy parties like that nudity and yes. sex and drugs and opium. Yes. just 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 that was the only thing that they could really sort of give us in our bedrooms that that would be allowed within the side that Louis wasn't part of, or anyone wasn't part of. It was just the boys doing yeah. that sort of thing. But that be- again, after a while, especially later on into season two, that became a thing where you're like, God, what I flicked to the next page. Oh, no, I got I- another, I'd literally say to Evan, Oh, we're having Uh-oh. another orgy
2: again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think that's because
2: it's time. I mean, ho harm another orgy. if it's Tuesday, it must be the orgy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that's, but that's surely, again, a function but because they can't show as much of you as they would need to. They make what they do show of you particularly intense. So you're either you're coming in in full armor saying, I want to go to war now and I can do it. And I'm the man or they're showing you full on in full orgy mode. But and that feels simplistic, but at the same time, when you think over the whole show, I don't think of you as, as like that at all. Just after five episodes, I think of you as very different and as a, a very sort of, um, you know, a constant sort of reproof to Louis. And he's you know, he's haunted by his memories of it. And just the looking at the portrait of you, too, and things like that. I, you know, perhaps speed watching it is, is quite beneficial to reassure yourself that the, sure. there is a balance. It feels well,
0: hard. I think and, I, I think so. our memories. I think our memories of the show are always so are kind of tainted with whatever we as actors were feeling that day on that day. You know, with, whether we were yes. in a really good mood, whether we slept yes. well, whether we didn't yeah. have yeah. that spot yeah. in our face. There's all these things that I, I look at certain scenes, especially in season one, where I go, I'm not with it there. I do not know my lines properly there. Like very yeah. honestly, I can see that and stuff. You know. Well, especially yeah. with the, with studio-based stuff, especially you know, with me and you, George, we would shoot out rooms. So, you know, you would do four days over three episodes in one space. You would do all your war room stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it just gets a bit tiresome. So with, with me and Evan...
2: That ab- that's absolutely going to enhance your your, your memory of that as well, because you think yeah. oh, I'm back in that bloody room again. It's always the same. And actually, to the viewer, it's not. But to you as the, yeah. the viewer slash actor then you think god i just can't you know god we were in that room for four days and it just alters how you see the room um so yeah. i yeah i mean i i guess i i look at i quite like being out and about so i've got some scenes i just remember you know any chance of being a horse was quite good fun i've got i've got a nice scene at some point with uh monco where we're out just on patrol i remember thinking this is great this is what it's all about you know we're in the <laughs> woods with swords and horses <laughs> and I remember having to get off the horse and tie the horse up but in making it look like i'd always done it you know i was noticing for example that ty runyon's got a couple of very good over the shoulder throws where he um first of all there's a scene where he's he's looking at the sort of the the the, the contact book down in the basement or something and he, yeah. he without looking he swings it over his shoulder into who's the guy it's not boss it's someone like that who then catches it and it's an absolutely perfect arc and i you know, irreverently, I think, I wonder which take that was. And then there's another episode where he's beating someone to death with a chair leg or something, and he stops because he's bored or the guy's dead, and he flicked, he does exactly the same thing with the chair leg. I think, you know, it, it's fantastic. I don't know, why did I get on that? Just, just love this stuff. So speed watching does remind you of these, you know, things that crop up again and again. Um, yeah, and, Being you, like,
1: you... this thing about long-form television of, like, trying to what, – what we were saying of, you know, Alex, what you were saying of creating – interesting stuff that we don't feel like we've done before and what you were talking about shooting out locations contributes to that i had a fascinating thing on season three where i um was made aware that they had to write multiple episodes um for people's availability as actors and i it was fascinating they took me and they were like come here look at this (laughs) and showed me this spreadsheet and i me and alex i don't think had this because we had a buyout yeah you know you you're basically they they buy you and you make yourself available for six months but most of the other actors on versailles maybe pip you had this deal where you were guaranteed a certain amount of days so they said we'll guarantee you 10 filming days in five Mm -hmm. eps or whatever and uh, towards the end of season three, obviously, there were loads and loads of characters that needed to film for four days, but didn't have any scenes <laughs> to film. So, so they were showing wow. how they were bo- like rewriting scripts. And, you, uh, and now looking back, you think, oh, yeah, why was, for example, that why was I being blessed by Bossaway in the war room? Yes. in that scene okay. I don't know if yes. that was an example of that
0: but you know for, sure,
1: you just for, sure, for sure. to put together long form television and story over I, I mean I couldn't sit down and write one hour of drama interesting drama no. to have the pressure no, of creating a product yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. uh, uh, and going cool that was an original idea for over 10 hours I've now got to do another 10 hours of that how am I gonna for a second season okay. how are you going to oh, think sorry. of hours of interesting drama and and all of these my,
2: my, are... my, yeah i've been in that situation but only with relation to locations so you'll be booked for a day on or around such and such a time and then you'll get the schedule and you'll see that you're booked into i don't know vola vicomte or or chelsea you know one of the you know uh, downton abbey house or something and you know they're spending a colossal amount of money on booking that so if you look at it if you look at the really primo locations on the schedule and you're involved in that you know that date can't shift so you 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 can you could that's written in stone um so there are these sort of scheduling budgetary requirements so we, we you not know, often I, I you know i feel naive that i've suddenly noticed this i think i should i should be wiser to schedule reading but that's <laughs> that's really so they, they book these people and they're obliged to use them
0: um I want to talk good. about um talk about some um something that happens later on, but it's it's part of your rebellion mm. troop, Pip, just so we can touch on mm. some other wonderful people that's in the show. So you, you have I mm. always have the scene in the in, in an abbey later on, which is the the, the mm. kind of reveal of the Chevalier being part of the of the thing. And you and, and, and the mirror, obviously Beatrice being show, show yeah. showing her true colours. Um, um do you have any memories of um, of those scenes with the mirror and working with the lovely Avon?
2: Yes. I do. I remember meeting it, yes, sort of in the crypt, and we're all there. At the and, crypt, that's exactly yeah, that's it, yes. the crypt, And then there's was an outdoor one where we're all on sort of traitor's parade. It was quite cold, and I was very friendly with um, Anatole at that stage. And, uh, yeah, we just sort of buddied up. Um, yes, Amira was great. She was so sinister and a very good sort of um, – are you getting her in later on?
0: I mean, she'd be one of the wonderful people. Basically, we're trying to grab as many people that die in season one <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: to get them on the podcast. Get, the, get, the, get them on. Yeah. Get the well, ones, I get the ones, ones. to get so you could You could bring me back when you do your season two Absolutely. overview.
0: We'd love you to have you yeah, no, season
2: It was, was good. Do you know what? I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking, yeah, I I like being part of the group, but I preferred being you know, I'm r- rather like you, George, wanting to be the most intelligent character in the room. I think I wanted to be the most evil character in the room. So, if I'm yeah. absolutely honest, I didn't really feel I wanted. I mean, I, you know, Moncore, yes, because Tolly was played him as just so utterly despicable and, you know, falling asleep and peeing all over the floor and all that. So, sort of, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, but the others I felt were a bit noble. I mean, they were, yeah, it was fine. They were lovely. But I, 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 um, you know, I, I liked everyone, I have to say that. But, um no, I'm quite selfish when it comes to being evil. I, 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 think, I think I'm like right you with the intelligence, George. I just I just want to be the biggest I, bastard. I forgot that Evan... The Was Evan... This
0: Evan was is, part of it all. He's Remember, you lock hot. him up in episode seven. Yeah, was? is that is that in episode seven of season one? Yeah, I think going to have to get
2: you. What was the choice? Or he's... He was banished or something.
0: He was banished and he was going to get hung, drawn and quartered, but then I, I saved him or something, something really, about love yeah. anyway. Yeah. Oh, and
2: then we all need to go and really look through season two quite thoroughly because it's it's amazing. Like I said, it's been really interesting just watching this back to back because I realised yeah. I never did that. I was saying yeah, to my yeah. wife, I really want to put through and watch the whole thing because, <laughs> again, there are whole batches of story that like I was watching... Um, uh. What's her name? Brochard, the girl, wonderful girl who plays the doctor. I mean, that's a story. Oh, Lizzie, I mean, she Lizzie. could legit, yeah, fantastic. And that's su- and that's based on a real character, I think. And um you know, absolutely fascinating story. and You could make a whole. They probably have made a whole movie in France about her and how she survived as as a, a female physician at that time. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. Very yeah. true. Yeah, um, there's so many so- potential sort of spinoffs because it was such an intense time, and all these people were crowded in together, and and so on.
0: There's um. I want to run through basically what I found in this episode, George. And I know you'll agree with me that there's some absolutely great lines that are, that are set mm. in this episode. Um, mm. And I'll and I'll end because we're coming to the end of this wonderful podcast with one of your lines, uh, Pip, which I'd love for you to say for us as to close it all off. Okay. So these all are the right. couple of, that I that I said just throughout the episode. There's there's one that says that's a lot of shit, and then Jack the gardener says. The finest
2: shit, which I thought was kind of that's why I said I remember that. Yes,
0: um, there's also um, you've already met my wife, George. You say that too to Prince Annabelle, which I thought was yeah,
2: that
1: was very enjoyable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, I think Stewart has a great line, which is there have always been thieves on the road. <laughs> But he says it twice. There have always been thieves on the road, sire, as if to reiterate that there are always thieves on the road, which I think is brilliantly done by Stuart Bowman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I do not, not to toot my own horn, but I think I have a great line that says, I think I may be a horse, or at least that's what I've been told. Um Referencing yeah, yeah. the size of, Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then um, and there's also a great line from, um, from Ty, from, from Fabian. He says, and he looks really sad, like the saddest of, that Ty's ever looked. Really. He says, at least let me bruise his face. He <laughs> get <Okay>. so sad <laughs> because he oh looks so God, sad. Yes. He looks like a young puppy, like He's a little boy. He looks no, like a little boy no. that says, Well, let's face like a thing." But the last <clears throat> line, kind of the last uh, big thing that you uh, that <clears throat> uh, Cassell says, which is the burning of the Louis portrait, and I think you say "burn it." Because I could, could we get you to say uh, "burn it" yes. in your wonderful Cassell voice to to sign us off on this wonderful podcast. Burn it, ladies and gentlemen! Give it a round ah. of applause for the wonderful, fabulous, phenomenal Pip Torrens. Thank, so thank, thank you so much, Pip.
2: Very much. That was so much fun. Thank you. Thank and we'll you. we get you on. Go on, on it's got to do a season two one. I'm very excited absolutely. about that.
0: Absolutely. Keep watching. Keep keep get get on your mm. binge watch of Versailles, and we we'll, and we'll bring you back on.
2: Absolutely. All right. Well done. Well Thank done. Thank you so much, It's a Pip. great thing. All right. Lots of love.
0: Thank you, baby. Bye. 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 And that was the wonderful, the phenomenal Pip torrens
1: What a guy! <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
0: he's,
1: he's, he's amazing, isn't he? I
0: mean, I, yeah. I honestly, all this morning, I have been honestly giddy. Biddy with excitement for having him on because I just remember you know, like this is sounding such a cliche like never meet your heroes and not the same that Pip was ever like my hero but I just have the fondest memories of him and I and Philippe never really had I don't think I had any scenes with him at yeah. all but I just remember him his anecdotes, his stories, his 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 vibe—if I can say yeah. that—on um, <laughs> set. And great. you know, you 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 two had such. I mean, I can tell from just being this, but like, you've got such a great rapport with him. And what, like, how lucky we are! How lucky we are! Yeah. We were very very lucky to have him. And you guys are very lucky to listen to him. Um, but before we go, George, we have a question, do we not? From our wonderful patron, we do.
1: Our wonderful patron, Nadra has asked, Hmm. if at the time of the filming of Versailles, you had been asked to direct an episode, which episode would
0: you have liked to direct and why? That was a... By the way, that was a really, really great question voice thing that you did. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Other audio I live also kind of a bit like Weakest Link, very Weakest Link of you. Yeah, well, you know. Um, Nadra. Alex, do you want to go first? Yeah, because I think I... It's a really... I mean, I've told this story before, but I don't know if I've ever told it in front of you, George, because sure. I've maybe, which is one of these things where I don't think I've ever said this to you out loud, which is kind of fun, which is that I, if if Versailles ever went again, like I know we were contracted for three seasons, but if Versailles ever went again, mm. I would never have asked for more money to come back for season four, but I would have, would have asked for, which is, would have been to direct an episode. That's what I would have done. So, kind of, I'll answer Nadra's. I'll answer Nadra's question. Absolutely, but yeah. I would have loved to have directed an episode of 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 season four. I would have been have an episode to myself to direct. But if it'd be one of the ones that I have come out, I really, really loved, which is which is in season one. It's perfectly directed. So I don't know if I could do it. It's not like I could do it any different. Is episode seven, Thomas Van Sand, the one with you? No, I didn't. it's so, is, that, is that your same answer
1: I had the same thought in my head of like why have you chosen that episode because it's like one of the best directed, <laughs> <best laughs>
0: direct directed episode. um, yeah I think it is I think it's one of the best directed episodes of season one for sure I also I would say that I would also direct episode 10 of season one in the yeah. the Henriette thing that Daniel Roby definitely directed kind of rather rather nuanced and really uh uh with sort of fragile care i think that he did that episode but mm-hmm. like those two are the ones that, that episode five seven and ten for me are the standouts of of season one i i, I adore episode five the, the
1: other one a- i was going to say was episode five because that's mm-hmm. the one that philippe goes, goes to, to war
0: right? and yeah. comes back and all that i stuff. i
1: i thought that that would be really interesting for like as a sort of meta thing as well for me <laughs> Yeah, Character George, of Louis direct. George
0: Blagden directs the episode that of whole... sleep going to war that Louis never went to. That and then, which is also very. I sort unique. of
1: want the behind-the-scenes photo on my wall of just me, like with headphones on, looking at the monitor with you doing that slow mo, traumatized. <laughs> just shot of you in the middle of the war zone, <laughs> just like
0: <laughs> that would. Yeah, <laughs> love that. You just want it. You just <laughs> want it for the for, for the for the for the image of the thing. Yeah. I mean I, I mean we we'll get we'll get to those episodes later on, but and actually we'll hopefully those of you who are listening we'll probably I think we'll get the wonderful Thomas Van Sant on for episode <gasps> seven. So that would be amazing. See, I, I'm, I'm, amazing. I'm I'm, I'm dangling the, the the carrot in front of you, sir. No, no, um no. <laughs> <laughs> will definitely, no, we'll definitely keep <laughs> that in. <laughs> yeah. Oh brilliant. Um listen, uh George, um I love you very much and that was a wonderful episode, wasn't it? It not?
1: was. Thank you very, very much for being there with me. And thank oh. you
0: everyone <laughs> for holding your hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll be back with episode four coming soon in March. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Au revoir.